Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Ben, how you been doing the pa- this past few minutes? Uh, you know, I managed to to get by. Uh, hopefully, I wasn't infected with anything as I went to the bathroom and washed my hands. And I actually took caution to not close my door um, by the handle. I took the. I've got a little small windows and blinds, and I took the little twister that closes them. Pulled that because you know they for the it can stay on metal surfaces for like nine days with the, the COVID stuff. So we're still in the throes of that. Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, uh, there's a lot of gifts you kind of have to have to get get by in this world of coronavirus. And for those who are listening, uh, this will be posted a while, and maybe by then uh, the whole world will be past coronavirus. Uh, but right now we're kind of in the midst of it. But I was talking to somebody uh, who's kind of a, a bit of a neat freak, very organized and, and very cleanly person. Uh, and, they fe- and you know, there's been so much talk on, on properly cleaning your hands lately. And, uh, and they're like, I got this. This is like just all this is playing to my gifts. Uh, you know, it's like, and basically like the whole world's <laughs> been preparing this person for COVID-19. So uh, the, but I don't think that sh- this person could say that washing hands was her spiritual gift. Uh, uh, that that's not one of the spiritual gifts. But instead of uh, uh, of those kinds of gifts, we're going to be talking about uh, an eternal gift in some ways, a spiritual gift today. Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to that because it is an important topic. Um, that I don't know. Sometimes it gets addressed, but then. I think the way that we go about it often can make it more individualized than the gifts are for. So, yeah, absolutely. So, and uh, it's a good time because Ben and I both completed our spiritual gift inventories. That's a joke. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think are your spiritual gifts, Ben? Well, you know, that's a weird question to be asked because then it sounds like, well, you think you're good at that. But, uh, I would say teaching and encouragement are the ones that may rise up to the top for me. That, that's my own perception of it. Um, and I've, I've gotten some feedback from others that would suggest that that the Lord has uh, gifted me to, to build others up in those ways. Uh, how about you? Yeah. So three things I've kind of in some sense sensed in myself uh, and that other people have really pointed out to me that they see as the spiritual gifts in me are likewise teaching. I mean, we're both pastors, and I should hope that we have spiritual gift of teaching. Uh, but also, in addition to that, hospitality. I've been told that uh, some people identify that in me. Uh, and uh, maybe maybe prophecy, depending on what you understand as prophecy, which is a whole uh, bag of potato chips that we'll be getting into <laughs> later. But uh, I know some <laughs> see prophecy as kind of kind of a speaking uh, truth, uh, necessary truth uh, with boldness, kind of a Martin Luther-esque thing. And, you know, I'm an arrogant guy sometimes, so uh, maybe it's that, or maybe I do have some element of the spiritual gift of prophecy. I don't know, though. So... 
Yeah, I guess it depends on on how you view it, because I could see that um, if if it's the um, speaking words over someone, I, you've never done it to me, so I don't know. That's good. <laughs> I hope so. I don't know. So, but what are the gifts of the spirit then? Uh, do you mean like what particular gifts are, or just generally? I both. Well, I mean, generally they are gifts that the that Christ gives to His church uh, by means of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit portions them out as He sees fit, um, and they <clears throat> are something again. They are supernatural, but that doesn't mean that they're all miraculous looking. That we're you know kind of going around and we've got something like flames coming out of our hands. You know, like in Acts two when uh, the Holy Spirit comes and uh, something like flames of fire was above their head. Uh, but the scripture lists a number of different gifts in different places. Um, you've got a section in Romans 12. You've got another section that's in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, you've got Ephesians 4. You've got 1 Peter 4. Am I leaving anything out? Uh, not that I can recall. So, uh, Okay. Um, but yeah, it talks about wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, powers, prophecy, discernment. Uh, tongues or languages, service, teaching, encouragement, generosity, leadership, mercy. Those are the lists I, I compiled. And then it says, and things like these. Uh, so I don't think that, because it, it's interesting when you look at the different places in the New Testament that talks about spiritual gifts, it's not just the same set of things. You have some common elements, you have some repetition, but it's not always just this stock list. And so um, there are, I think it's the kinds of things that the spirit gives us uh, for building up the body. Now, do you think that eating bacon quickly or, you know, smoking a really good pork shoulder would be among those? <laughs> if so, I think that, that you have those for sure. <laughs> nice. So uh, that now I think that's very good. Uh, the listing of the gifts of the spirit. Uh, so, but who has these gifts, the Holy Spirit? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, who's born again by God's spirit and has the spirit indwelling uh, that him or her. So yeah, it's something for all Christians, not to say that everyone's going to have the same gift or set of gifts, uh, but that they will be gifted by the spirit in, in some way. That's good, and I think that's a consistent message in essentially every one of these passages related to the gifts of the Spirit. It, it suggests that this is for everybody. Uh, unfortunately, there are some Christians that see this as like a, you get these in like a second crisis, kind of a further stage of growth in Christianity, but I don't think that you could make much of a biblical argument for that. I'm, I'm not persuaded of that. So, what are the purpose of these gifts, though, Ben? Well, they're to enable the, those who have the gifts to use them to build up Jesus' body, his church, uh, to unify them to know him. Ephesians 4 talks about that, um, how he's given these diff different people occupying these different roles with giftings in the church to equip the saints for works of service um, so that they can grow in their in the unity of their faith and their knowledge of Jesus and become measure up to the stature of the fullness of Christ so that they're they're knowing Christ and they're becoming like him and so um, they're conduits through which God's grace flows to his people Mm. Uh, God doesn't always just zap us spiritually, though he does sometimes, and, and he gifts us but so that we can touch others with his grace. Yeah, 
So, and, and I, I agree with you that, I mean, that is the very essential means of the, of the purpose of the gifts. That's really for building up the body. I would add that I think in some cases, at least some of the spiritual gifts are also for reaching the lost. Uh, and I don't Good. think that's the fundamental purpose of the gifts or the church. I mean, we see that perhaps some have argued evangelism, and there seems to be suggestions from Scripture, but also even that, like the speaking in tongues that happens in Acts. I mean, this is like this is something that's used to persuade people towards the gospel, for God to open hearts uh, and change lives through that. That's a good point. What do the spiritual gifts tell us about God's church and his kingdom? Well, I think first it shows us that God's church and by extension, the kingdom is communal um, and that it's embodied. You know, we're at this time where churches aren't meeting. We're doing all this virtual stuff. And some churches, there's nothing. I mean, they've been doing this for a long time. Um, I think that's abnormal. Um, It's not to say that we can't work within that framework. And we've been having conversations here among ourselves, like how do we do this? How do we do it faithfully? What kind of things do we have to consider? Um, but the church is, is a, it's made up of people and we, you know, that have this embodied existence and relationship together and God meets us through his people. He, he ministers to us through others in the body. Um, we've already talked about how all believers are gifted by the spirit. So all have a part to play for the proper and the healthy functioning of the whole body. And even the less glamorous or the unseen parts or the parts that may seem to be damaged or all of that, uh, that have more problems. They're all a part and, and contribute to the health and the, the functioning of the body. And God determines how to outfit it and how to distribute those gifts. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I, I think also, I think a couple other points that we see about God's church and his kingdom from this is, is so much of how we need each other. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we are not meant to be these independent agents as often, unfortunately, spiritual gifts become that attitude, which we'll talk about. Uh, but also another thing to add is that I think we see that God gives as there is need. And I've actually heard some commentators suggest that some of the reason why these spiritual gifts over, uh, that are not an equal overlap, like why there's no cumulative list in any book and why there's some listed in some passages that aren't others is because God gives these gifts as there is need in the church. And sometimes in different cases, there's different needs. Uh, this is not about our individualism, but about how God works us together for his kingdom purposes. It's a really good point. And how do people find their spiritual gifts, Ben? <laughs> well, there's many, many uh, suggestions on that. Well, actually, sometimes it's just one kind of suggestion. Um, I've become persuaded, and I think you too, uh, of a different way apart from those inventories. I'm not going to say that there's no value in those. Um, I, I've just had, I mean, I haven't been in ministry that long, um, but I've had enough conversations when I've been in ministry, and even before that, when I just try to have conversations with people, whether they were believers or they were not and how often, and I think it surprised me because I'm just highly analytical. And so even if I wasn't a Christian, I, I would be analytical about other things, but how little some people reflect on like big questions um, and, and reflect on their own soul and these kinds of things. And so, you know, posing this question or just significant questions to people and levels of self-understanding and 
they're just looking at you with blank stares. And I don't say that to, you know, put people down. I, I've just been surprised um, at how often that's the case. People just kind of doing their thing. And if they haven't been pushed to do that very much, um, maybe one of those inventories can help them kind of go, oh, yeah, okay. Um, but I think by just jumping in and serving and, and even by just doing things that they're good at or that they might enjoy and then seeing like how the Lord might use that uh, and getting feedback from others like or people saying, hey, thank you for doing that, that was helpful that that built me up um, and, and getting that because the point is that other people are built up. Other people are spiritually helped when you do uh, this or that. And so um, it's not about you feeling, you know, satisfied and fulfilled and self-actualized. What, what do you think? Those are some good points. So, yeah, I think the observation of others is essential on this. Uh, and I don't have a lot to add, but I think one biblical proof of this actually is, in some ways, I think, because there's a connection between the gift of teaching and the office of pastor, in some ways, the Bible talks more about how to understand the spiritual gift of teaching than others. And with that spiritual gift of teaching, I mean, a pastor, pastor a, a teacher in that sense uh those that have that gift that happen to become pastors are identified by the laying of the hands of the body as well as being uh seen by the other elders as in the pastoral epistles so this is not just you know spiritual gifts in the bible were never something where you know i lo- i want to do this i want to be a teacher i want to be a leader so i've decided i have this or i've taken this test and i've done but instead something that is identified by the church as god has empowered us as priests together it just function in that priestly role of really showing each other our gifts. That's good. So how have we abused this process and missed the purpose of spiritual gifts? Um, I think that we have defined it as about being about me and my gift. And I, I am a such and such. And so I have to be doing this. And if they don't let me do it, this church, well, I got to go somewhere else where I can do this um, rather than seeing the, the gifting and just my, my existence in, in a particular local church as being about building others up. Now, yes, there's the expectation that they're going to help build me up in Christ. Um, but it being about building others up and glorifying Jesus that's the focus or that should be the focus, but often it's, you know, in, in American culture, we're highly individualistic and there are good things that can come from that for sure, but it can quickly be distorted by sin. And so, um, this is one of the ways. Yeah. So I agree. And it so often becomes this individualistic spiritual demand and, you know, and I know of cases, you know, I, I mean, even this actually relates to the the woman and ministry question, uh, and I think how individualistic we have gotten with this is, you know, I know of people that respond to, we both believe that one, that uh, those that are preachers, pastors can only be men, uh, and often the response is, well, you know, uh, somebody feels like they have their spiritual gift, and how dare you step in the way? But that's not how spiritual gifts were ever de- meant to, and designed to work. They're not this individualistic spiritual demand that I get to do this. And I, I failed in this in my past. I remember at the church we were at in Kentucky, uh, 
awesome church that uh, there was not a lot of opportunities for me to teach and use what I I still think is my spiritual gift, one of my spiritual gifts, uh, and from the pulpit. It was not an opportunity for me to preach in that way. And, and I, at one point, I stood on the possibility uh, of leaving and finding a place where I could be used in that kind of way. Uh, and actually, my pastor didn't really rebuke me in this. He just kind of listened and loved on me. He's the most humble guy I've ever met still to this day. But in hindsight, I realized like, man, I had so many opportunities to use my gift of teaching with with kids or, you know, and through, you know, small group or whatever it is. Uh, and instead I had to kind of arrogantly uh, kind of have that attitude that I needed to have this or else I'm justified in moving on. Uh, so, and I think sometimes we can even force ministries based upon uh, upon what we perceive as gifts, rather than seeing as gifts as opportunities to serve where things are at. So, uh, and then that does obviously relate to these spiritual gifts inventories. Uh, neither of us are, you know, the most thrilled with. I think both of us would agree that there's some benefit from it. But these kind of approach of finding your gifts, these kind, just through like a test. Uh, there are many problems in it. First off, I mean, we know that actually tests like this in general are not scientific. Like the scientific community is like unanimous on this, that these things are not scientific. They just aren't. Uh, but despite not being scientific, they're actually kind of humanistic. It, they're trying to figure out what your natural abilities are. And so, you know, some of these natural abilities are not the same as their spiritual gifts. Uh, you know, am I uh, that uh, somebody might be born very organized, that doesn't mean that's their spiritual gift. That's something different. That's something God develops in them after regeneration and as a gift towards service. Uh, And I also think that these things often give people what they want. I think a lot of people that have pride issues might want to feel like they have certain gifts that are really elevated. And so they end up taking the test in such a way that gives them that gift, even if other people don't see that in them. Yeah, I remember taking one in high school and you can pretty clearly tell, or I mean, I could like, okay, if I want such and such outcome, I need to put this answer. Um, I mean, it wasn't really hard to to read through that. And I remember we took it, I went to my Christian high school um, in a Bible class and like everybody had the gift of faith. And (laughs) because the questions they asked were like, do you believe God can do anything? Yes. And so it just like you said, it wasn't the most reliable. Yeah, absolutely. So how do Christian families help one another to understand their spiritual gifts? They can give each other feedback, encouragement, uh, maybe helpful criticism. Thanks for, you know, when someone does something, just make it a point to, to point it out. Hey, thank you for doing this. Hey, this was helpful. I, I noticed this. Um, I've heard some talk about having the eyes to point out the evidences of God's grace. Uh, I think asking questions, I'm just learning that more and more in my life, how important and valuable that is to ask other people good questions that can help them to see and understand things for themselves. Um, and sometimes you don't even know the answer you're asking and it helps them to, to, to go to a, a greater level of, understanding, but uh, you may help to uncover their blind spots. And so um, that can be a way that they're coming to see, oh, okay, this is how God has made me. This is how he has gifted me. What are your thoughts? 
I think those are some very practical ways. Uh, one broad thing I'll just add is I think that parents and even kids uh, of us adults listening can often be the ones that see our gifts the most uh, and can tell it the most, more than even sometimes uh, other members of our church that we don't interact with nearly as much. And so I encourage even adults listening to this. I mean, talk to your kids that are old enough that are in Christ uh, to see what they see in your life, but also talk to your kids about what you see in their life because you're often going to have that kind of uh, view, even though you can be a little biased and sometimes uh, in, in our frustration have a hard time acknowledging certain things. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's humble, but that's good. Are the spiritual gifts even applicable, though, to kids and teens who can't preach or coordinate the nursery, for example? <laughs> well, yes, if they're part of the body of Christ. Um, getting them to realize this fairly young might help them to see spiritual gifts kind of as, and I, I hesitate to use this word, but as less institutionalized. I do think the church is an institution, um, but by that, I mean, like you, you exercise the gifts when you're in the four walls of the church and when, when pastor so-and-so organizes, you know, the nursery ministry or something um, and seeing it less like that, though, there is certainly a place for it. Um, but seeing it more relationally, you know, if you've got the gift of service, it doesn't mean that the only thing you can do is like stack chairs after some event. Um, though that may be a helpful way of, of building up others. You, you, set the chairs up and stack them up so they could participate in this, um, wiping up the tables. But, um, you talked about hospitality and I I would, I mean, I, I saw when we shared the same address, essentially, um, I saw you guys doing that and that's not something that you do at the church building typically, though there, there can be an element of hospitality thing when you're involving other people in your life, but you know, as far as hosting them in your home, uh, serving them, loving them, that kind of thing, that needs to take place elsewhere. And so, just helping kids to um, to see that is, is even as they uh, getting them the, to think on that wavelength that it's not just what you do when you're in church, though it does. Like when you're when you walk in, I know there's a Matthias Media has a book you might have seen called How to Walk into Church, and you're going in looking how to serve and to encourage, and not just get to where you need to go. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. I agree with uh, with what you said, and and it's just important to note that most spiritual gifts are really fairly everyday. I mean, you mentioned ones that are in the home, uh, but you know, most uh, most spiritual gifts. I mean, faith, encouragement. I mean, those are things you don't need to be in a staff position at a church or, you know, even an adult to have in those ways to manifest. And I think even all of the gifts have some ways that they can be utilized by really anybody. So, uh, and I think to show how teens and children very much can demonstrate this, actually, I know of a teen uh, who to me has shown so clearly that God has given him given him the gift of service, uh, who's like the first person to to step up to really help with I mean moving projects with even helping uh, his, helping his mother uh, bring groceries in from the car. Uh, and you know and I think it's a product of a growing faith in this teen. And, and I think that that can be cool and to point that out and God will use that in those cases for many, many years to come. So, um, one thing 
uh, some uh, churches will utilize the spiritual gifts of young people by having like either a children's worship service where the children lead it, which is less common, uh, but more common having like a youth worship service where it's entirely done by the teens where everybody else is kind of a spectator. And I want to encourage you, don't do that, but instead have teens use their gifts ordinarily or even children use their gifts ordinarily. Uh, even the ways that, you know, a child that's growing in Christ can be such an encouragement, even to a, a Christian adult in appropriate ways. Uh, but, you know, they can use their gifts in teaching others in uh, nursery or in a, helping in a Sunday school. All sorts of ways can be common. And actually, I've even seen in kids, uh, I knew of a kid that really kind of called me out unintentionally on their own uh, through what I think is being manifested as kind of a gift of evangelism uh, and just pointed out my lack of this uh, and need to do this more because even this young person is developing a gift of evangelism uh, when this person's under 10 years old probably. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so... How do next generation ministries properly teach young adults? A young, uh, sorry. How do next generation ministries properly teach young people about these gifts? Well, I mean, you need to teach what they are, what they're for, and that it's part of being born again. It's part of having the Spirit in you. It's not now. I guess if you're in a, a church that's more Wesleyan. Um, that talks about that second crisis, then this would affect how you taught this, but. Um, I think we're assuming that this is just this is given to you by the spirit in your life. Now, not to say that God could not gift you differently along the way, or like you brought up based on need, you're in a certain situation and he, he gifts you to serve and to build up the body in that way that, that you had not experienced before. Um, but that's just part of being a Christian. It's part of the Christian life to serve others. It's not being a Christian. is not just going to church and hearing some teaching and then you leave. Um, it's about serving others mm -hmm. and encouraging them to get to work looking to do that, whether it's at church or in other ways. Um, it could be, like you said, the person with evangelism and even the, the gifts themselves are ways that they can be used evangelistically and to help to build up the body in a numerical sense, but also it's used for building up the body, maturity, unity. Um, and so, yeah, just you have to give them the foundation and then encourage them towards their use. Yeah. I, I think that your idea of really plugging them in is, is so central. Uh, I know of a youth ministry that does a lot of like surveys every year, actually. Every year, they, every, all the teens have to do the spiritual gift survey, but actually don't even really allow opportunities for teens to serve. And that is just so backwards because I think instead we avoid these kind of uh, navel-gazing things and pl really plug them in as early as we can for young people. I mean, there's ways in which there's a lot of things that children cannot do in the local church for obvious reasons. Uh, but a lot of things that the average member does, a teen can do depending upon your child protection policy. And Oftentimes, maybe the best way to see somebody's spiritual gift is is thrusting them in, uh, encouraging them to serve in the nursery once a month, uh, and encouraging them to come out to help with a service project that's being done at the church, uh, whatever it might be. Even, you know, one thing right now, we're having our Sunday school teachers for kids 
I'll write uh, notes to some of the kids that are not going to have Sunday school for a little bit of time, just to kind of an encouragement notes. And sometimes you can, even through that kind of thing, you can see those spiritual gifts at play and God can work further through them. So, But I think we do teach the passages that we mentioned, but much more than that, we teach the purpose of the church with young people. Because I think so often we have not taught why the church exists, what's the what the church is supposed to be uh, and the God's vision of the church. And I think when we have that, I think all these other things can fall into place. Yeah. I know. And we've maybe even talked about this specific statement before, but you and I both like nine marks have been influenced by um, those folks. And they did a, a podcast episode a couple of years ago about teaching the church about being a church and it was the question was posed you know why hasn't that taken place and the answer was well it's maybe it was just assumed to be self-evident well we are one it's sort of like you know why teach a man about how to be a man you you are a man but i mean i think experience has shown us that actually is helpful we're we're confused as a culture deeply about what it means to be a man or a woman um and so with the church i think there's just been a lot of assumption about it and so then you know, we're not teaching children, we're not teaching teenagers. And so then we have adults who don't fully understand um, what what the purpose of the church is. And I know I, that's something I have asked sometimes, like in a membership interview with someone and, you know, sometimes got a decent answer, sometimes, you know, a good bit of confusion or just like, uh-huh, I'm not really sure. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So then next question is, uh, we you know we have to get to our controversy. We wouldn't be TFM if we didn't talk about controversial issues, right? <laughs> so. I like it. Now, <laughs> what spiritual gifts sometimes cause passionate Christian disagreements, and why does this happen? Well, the sign gifts um, I think would be the biggest one there. That is languages or tongues, uh, prophecy powers, healings, uh, the things that would fall into that category. Some might even put some of the, the, I don't know, just pandemonium that, uh, do you know about the Toronto blessing? Remind me. Uh, that was the spirit of laughter. People just like laughing and all that. I don't know if they call that a spiritual gift or some sort of special dispensation of the spirit or, or what, but it's just like, you know, a room full of people just hysterically laughing on the floor. Um, but Anyway, the sign gifts have created a lot of uh, passionate disagreement, and I've been involved in some of those passionate discussions before and probably more arrogance than love. Um, but I think because they, uh, the question is, do they continue into the present day or was it only during the inbreaking of the church uh, while the apostles were around? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's one of those, it's like either or. And so some would see a bunch of Christians that are missing out on something that God wants to give to his people through his spirit. And they're through lack of faith or whatever it is, they're missing out on that. And then others are looking at the charismatic crowd, Pentecostal crowd who say, yeah, they're not missing out on something. They're, you know, they're doing something God doesn't intend. They're abusing this. Um, This is chaos. And, you know, even that they'll point to places in scripture saying, see, there was even evidence this was going to uh, be cut off after a certain point. And so they just need to move on and, and talk in language that everybody understands. Yeah. So I think 
th that's a great uh, look at this. I think more or less these kinds of things are really what we've, we've talked about theological triage before in the podcast. Uh, and this is more or less a third tier issue. This is like a non-essential something that Christians can kind of agree to disagree, uh, even if we have fiery debates in love and a hug. Uh, <laughs> And most of these things, I think, can be, uh, you know, actually, even as somebody who I would call myself uh, that uh, call, I would say that I believe that the sign gifts have kind of ceased today are not relevant for today in most contexts. Uh, but that being said, uh, the recently the Southern Baptist Convention had changed a policy that was made, I think, in the 80s or 90s uh, that had said that missionaries on the field that are Southern Baptist missionaries could not pray in tongues in private and their private prayers, like, which was wild. Like it was really legislating a lot in their lives that, and how could you even tell that they're doing this? Uh, but well, you know, during that time, the, at least part of that time, the, the leader of the IMB himself said he's prayed in a private prayer language. <laughs> I was not aware of that. So, but I, <laughs> I am deeply thankful that we got rid of that as a Southern Baptist Convention, even if I don't think that there was any real language that people were speaking of personally. I think that this is not an important issue in that kind of way. But there is some areas where this is not third tier. This is not uh, unimportant. And I say that actually coming from somebody who... Uh, my first Christian, real Christian experience was Pentecostalism of, of real salvation. I was baptized at a Pentecostal church in high school. And there are some Pentecostal movements, unfortunately, including in some ways that church that I was part of at one point, uh, that teach a really dangerous doctrine of tongues that say that if you don't have the, if you don't speak in tongues, you do not have the Holy Spirit living within you. You've not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. So specifically, they'll often say that, uh, mm -hmm. even though it goes so strongly against Scripture, uh, the uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, I think that that is beyond kind of a, and some actually even say that you're not saved if you don't speak in tongues. Uh, and there's yeah. not many Pentecostals that are like that. But I think either form of that issue is more than a third tier type issue. Yeah, that elevates it for sure. Um, but but should we expect our kids to have these miraculous gifts, Ben? Uh, or should we even require them to have them? I guess to some extent, it depends on how we read scripture and how we understand some of those issues. Uh, I guess if we're a deeply Pentecostal like that, then yes, we should. Um, you and I are not coming from that point of view. I think that we should steer more towards the quote normal looking, uh, but still supernatural. And this is what first Corinthians 12 calls it the manifestation of the spirit. Um, it's given for the common good, even though it may not look spectacular or, you know, the things like flames of fire coming out of your mouth or your hands or, um, you know, doing miracles every day. It's still supernatural. It's, it's God's work. Yeah. And God is mediating his presence in a sense. Well, I may be, may be overstretching that, but he is, he's giving his grace um, through individual people to, to others. And, um, you know, perhaps God will do something different, I, I kind of go back and forth between the cessation as an open but cautious, like maybe in areas where the church is breaking in for the first time or the first time in a long time, there's not really a gospel witness there um, that it may be accompanied by these signs. Uh, but that, you know, whenever we're able to, to meet together again publicly, we shouldn't necessarily expect 
you know, a, a message in tongues from someone yeah. or these kinds of things. But God is God and he can do as he sees fit and it's good and it's wise. But uh, just, yeah, that, that normal looking, you talked about it being everyday life, but that, that's still, we need to remind ourselves that's supernatural. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that is such a hugely important point because I think this kind of elevation of some gifts actually becomes an issue. And this is so relevant for parents and looking for your kids and not seeing that the gift of encouragement as just as miraculous as somebody speaking in a tongue for the sake of evangelism, which was actually, it was speaking to be very clear, the Bible, the word literally is other languages. One is not uh, a more heavenly or godly than the other uh and so i think when we elevate of some that becomes a danger and you know and i and i would hope that i would say that regardless of the fact that i am in fact a cessationist and i do believe that uh i personally believe that these kind of these uh sign gifts were meant specifically uh in alluding as joel basically prophesied them uh, to affirm the authority of the apostles. And that's why they kind of, to me, I think they kind of decreased as the New Testament was being written, as the apostolic age kind of came to an end. So you're not going to be happy with the title of apostle for yourself? No, absolutely not. That could be a new, yeah, now TFM podcast with apostle Tony Trussoni. Yeah, it's got a ring to it, though. Does sounds good. So, how can parents model using their spiritual gifts and not just tongues, even when the church isn't asking people to serve in the glorious roles? Do them joyfully. Uh, in some circumstances, you may even be able to bring your kids along with you, depending on what it is. Um, but doing it joyfully without grumbling and complaining. I think there's a Bible verse about that. <clears throat> yes, but. Um, actually it's etched in my mind, the Steve green song from when I was a kid, but, um, anyway, that them seeing you do that and even talking them through, this is why I'm giving my time to do this. Uh, because if it's done begrudging, like you said, uh, I think it was on a, we were doing it earlier about alcohol, but you know, teenagers have this radar for hypocrisy and, and even they don't have to be a teenager. They can pick up like, oh, yeah, dad's got to go do this or mom's her Sunday in the nursery. Um, and she's, you know, kind of annoyed that she doesn't get to go to the service. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest ways they see it as something that you're looking forward to. And, and just when you can include them to some extent in what you're doing, um, that can be a, a really helpful thing. Yeah, that's great. So. The for me, I would add. Um, I think you. Each, I think parents can model this kind of attitude by themselves talking to their leaders about their gifts, uh, as in asking their leaders what they see in them. Because when we have the kind of the rogue, you know, the mentality that I kind of had, unfortunately, at that church in Kentucky. Uh, I, I think it just fails to see the purpose of it. But I think if our kids know that, you know, we're consulting, we want to see how from those who God has given spiritual charge over us, how, how they see us being shaped to glorify God and how we can serve that. I think that's a great model for our kids. Uh, and I think that um, the, 
even like some areas, another area where I really messed up in this was failing to see how gifts like teaching ministry are like uh, the gifts of teaching can be used beyond what we often glamorize. So even show what the gifts that are sometimes in these glamorous places, even leadership sometimes can be glamorized in that sense of how it can be useful for something uh, for something as commonplace as in common ministries, as nursery service, or even elder care within the body. I, I think because mm-hmm. all of those things are deeply relevant for even areas like that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, I've tried to encourage our people that are working in the nursery and children's ministry, telling them, like, this is not the JV team. This is major league ministry. It does matter. It's not like, oh, once you get a little better, you get promoted to the youth group or the adult ministry, um, that this actually counts and the Holy Spirit can be working through you to build up the body. Yeah. So to use a reference that may end up not being relevant to this year 2020, uh, that uh, they're not, it's not minor league ministry. That's right. Please, please let us have baseball this year, though. <laughs> yes. Amen to that. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a good discussion. And uh, I hope that our listeners can really put in place their spiritual gifts and equip uh, their children as well as those that are under their spiritual guidance in the spiritual gifts that God has given them. So. Well, uh, I, Ben, I can really, um, I can really agree with you in a lot of ways that your spiritual gift is encouragement because you have been such an encouragement to me, uh, and uh, even if I haven't rebuked you strongly through the gift of prophecy, I am glad that you've been such an encouragement to my life. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Thank you for you have used your gifts in various ways, and even just me seeing you use them um, has affected me. Uh, on towards the Lord. So thank Amen. you for, so. for being obedient. Well, God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week and join us again every first and third Thursday.